0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. We are in the middle of a teaching of the book of Acts. And as you prepare to go forward this week, our reading is going to be true to cause. This week we are going to read Acts chapter 1. I hope I've inspired you enough with all of our talks about what Acts is about. That as you jump into Acts chapter 1 this week, you will begin to see all of the life come from the book of Acts. I'm going to put a graphic on the screen and catch you up. Just about a five-minute recap of where we've been and what we're talking about. If you missed last week, I would definitely encourage you to go to our website, mybelieverschurch.com. Download the video from last week. It'll help catch you up with what we're going to talk about today. The book of Acts, according to my opinion and what I see, has three realms to it. The witnessing, the community, and the discipleship. The witnessing on the screen, my character and my 50 feet were all supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Your attitude matters, your character matters, your personality and the way you act around others matter because you're owning your 50 feet for Jesus. Meaning everybody around you that doesn't know Christ, potentially could know Christ because of your life. Community, community. Once you come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're baptized into the church and you become part of his body. His body I call community. And there's two things that each of us need to know about or we need to know about in community is we all have to sacrifice equally and live just as generously. And then the final one, and I always kind of make a little joke about this, dirty discipleship. It's doing life together long term. It's reading the word of God and scriptures and it's a prayer life but it's growing up to become more like Christ. Today at the end of the message, and it'll give you some time to really think about it and pray about it, I'm just going to open the church up for those that want to call this place home. If you have never uh, solidified, this church is my home, at the end I'm just going to ask those that want to do that to come up, and you may say, why? Because community and discipleship is important for the spiritual health of your life to plant your life somewhere long-term. Because when you stay somewhere long-term, it helps people get to know you better. Because we all can fake it short-term. But long-term, we get to know your ins and your outs, your positives and your negatives. And when you're long-term, that's discipleship, and it lets you grow up better. It makes us all a better person when we grow up together, when we get to know each other, when you have people that know all about you so they can help you become more like Jesus. So we're talking about all these. And now uh, we were in community last week talking about generosity. And I said that I would share with you some very practical things about being generous. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 14. I want to give a recap of what I mean by generosity. Genesis chapter 14. For those of you that have been in church a while, it is... Kind of the crowning chapter of what we call tithe and offerings. When the first time Abraham came or Abram came off the battlefield. I will be very brief. This is on the video from last week. I encourage you to go listen to it. But to catch you up, we're coming off of a battlefield with Abram going to war with a bunch of kings. Back then, winner take all. If you won the battle, you got all the spoils. Abram won the battle. He's coming off the battlefield now. He's just won the spoils of war. He owns everything because he was the conquering one on the battlefield. We pick up the reading in verse 17. After Abram returned from his victory over Kerdolomar and all of the allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaba, that is, in the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of the God Most High brought Abram some bread and wine, Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies before you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord God, Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten and request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Asner, Eskal, and Mamre. I want to talk to you about this thing of generosity. In the church world... The gold standard of generosity is to give 10% of your money to the church. That is the gold standard. You've arrived when you do that according to the thinking of many people. I don't see that in the Bible at all. The gold standard is not for you to give 10% of your money to God. The gold standard is He owns it all. That is the gold standard. Because what we see is Abram comes off the battlefield. He saw... But out of his heart, he gives unto the king honor. Uh, uh, Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, he gives 10% just out of honor. Nothing more than honoring and hallowing the name of the king and the priest. Then he steps over to the second king, the king of Sodom. And he gives 90% back to the king of Sodom. And says, no, no, no. I don't want anybody to think you, your system, your king's system, or your people made me rich. It's God that made me wealthy. It's not you, which is a weird thing. You just gave up everything, but you still say God made me wealthy. That is totally different to the way we think. We think wealth is, I just want everything on the battlefield. Bless the Lord, I'm going to pocket this and live a good life. But the kingdom does everything upside down. The kingdom of God is totally different than the kingdom of the world. For the kingdom of God comes with 100% and says, Out of honor, I give 10% to the king and the priest. And then, because I don't want to be locked in and bound up to a system, thinking that a system has provided my needs, I give the other 90% back to the system. And then I step back and go, Well, because it's God who takes care of my needs. For those of you that really love to study the Bible, I would challenge you to take this one thought and tie it into the prayer that we pray called the Lord's Prayer. It is a beautiful example of a generous person. The Lord's Prayer starts like this. Jesus has come off the battlefield of the wilderness and he begins to teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, what's the word he picks there? Hallowed, holy, revered, be your name. This is that moment that Abram stands in front of Melchizedek and he hallows his name. And he gives the 10% because the 10% was the hallowing, the holiness, the honor going to the name. And then what's the next part of the prayer? Give uh, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. The other 90% goes back to the kingdom and I step back. What is the next part of the prayer? And now just give me the bread. Do you see that is the life of a Christian in the American culture. I go out and work myself to the bone. I get 100% of the money that I have left over called my net. And then if I'm a really good person, I'll give some to God. If I'm an incredible person, I'll give 10% to God. And then I live and eat by on the rest of the remaining 90. But what I read, all of it belongs to God, which now makes me think, how do I give 100% of my money to God? I would have nothing left over. Are you supposed to give all 100 to me in this offering basket? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is learning to think differently about money. Learning to think about money. Because when I go out here and, and let's say my paycheck at the end of the uh, at the end of the week for the sake of math is thousand dollars. And I come back with my thousand dollar paycheck and I go, okay, I've worked really hard for this. I've worked 40, 50, 60 hours a week, or whatever it would be, but it's just easy math with a thousand. I've got my thousand dollars here. And then a good person says, okay, out of the thousand, I'm gonna give God 20 on Sunday an incredible Christian, I'm going to give God 10%. And then they feel really good about themselves. So now they have 900 left over, 100 to God, 900 to me. And out of that 900, I immediately start Wells Fargo, Bank of America, credit card, credit card, credit card, credit card, kid, 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 uh, job, cars, everything. Just throwing it out. And then by the end of that, I'm left off with what I call the leftovers, the $16. Maybe you don't even have that much. You're thinking, that's more than I have left over. That's the system of the world. The system of the world is to feel really religious and cop God what's owed him, and then on the other 90, try your best to provide for yourself. It's backwards to the kingdom. The kingdom is, I get my $1,000 and I say, God, out of honor, not because I'm somebody special, not because I'm trying to be an elder or a deacon or a leader in my church, not so the pastor can think better of me, not so that I can one-up other people who give, but God, out of honor, to honor you as Abram honored Melchizedek, out of honor, as your prayer said, hallowed be your name. God here is a hundred dollars of my tithe. I give it to you out of honor and I just honor you. Now Father, before I begin to pay these bills, this other 900 that I have, watch. I want to do what Abraham did with with the king of Sodom. God, with this other $900, I want to say, here it is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Show me what you want me to do with this other $900, and I will be faithful, and I will do it to the best of my ability. And then when I do that, every need of mine will be met. I will lack nothing. Give me this day my daily bread. I will lack nothing, God. And then God looks at it and says, well, it is yours to do with what you want to do, so now it becomes, am I living selfish or am I living sacrificially? Because with that other $900, I now have to start paying for me all the stuff I want, all the stuff I need, all the stuff I desire, all of my lust, all of my pleasures. And then the end result of the 900 is I really don't have anything to give to God's kingdom. I don't have anything to bless somebody else with. Everything that I have went to my kingdom to bless my house, my stuff, my kids, my hobbies, my desires. And then leftovers is a very chintzy amount that maybe I might have a little leftover to give to God's kingdom. But after I've bought my coffees, after I've bought my shoes, after I've bought my makeup, after I've got my tickets, after I've gone to the Braves game, after I've gone to the football game, after I got my Falcons ticket, after I've done my date night, after I've done everything I want to do so that I've really met the needs of myself, then I'll check to see what can I really afford to give God. And I've got two dollars, so I'm going to give God one of those. I feel better. That is typical American system. It's the American system. And to get you to give more, I put you on a guilt trip. To get you to give more, I make you feel bad. To get you to give more, I tell you God won't bless you unless you give more. And so people give out of fear. Well, I better give more because I don't want God to get me. I better give more because, because, because. And it's not about getting more to be blessed. We said this like sweet. The blessing came before Abram ever gave a dime. The blessing was already there. It was all done out of honor. It was just all done out of him knowing who God was. So I want to teach you, how do you, what do you do with your 100%? What do you do with your money? How do you handle it? I want to put something on the screen that says this. These mindsets have to change. There are some mindsets about money that have to change. Because we're raised in a world system. And the world system is get, 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 get. And then whatever I can afford to give over to God, I give Him. God gets my leftovers. That's the world system. God never gets our leftovers. God gets it all. And this mentality has to change that God gives me my job just for me. No, he gives you the job so his kingdom can come. But not only just in his world, but his kingdom can come in your world. Because the moment you start living for his kingdom, he starts blessing your world. Get out of here. You're kidding me. No, it's absolutely true. If you will seek first the kingdom of God, I will add all things to you. And you will lack nothing, Mark, ever in your life. You will not lack houses or cars. You will lack nothing. And I'm like, I will lack God because the world says I don't have enough. The world says I'm only making 35000 a year and then therefore I'm going to lack all the time. No, Mark, you're living like the world. You're thinking that if you make 35, you now need to make 40. And then when you make 40, you've got to make 50. And then when you make 50, if I could just make 60. And then you make 60, if I could just make 75. And then you make 75, and it's like, oh, if I could just get to six figures. And now you're making 100. Oh, if I could just get to 120. Oh, Lord Jesus knows. Now you're making 120. And the funny thing, from 30 thousand dollars to 120 your leftovers are still the same the only thing you have left over is a dollar because you spent it all on your kingdom your houses are bigger your boats are bigger your cars are bigger your jewelry is more expensive your vacations are more expensive your clothes are more expensive your hair is more expensive why because I took all the kingdom money for God and I spent it on me Nothing wrong with that. You don't go to hell for that. God's not mad at you doing that. You can spend every dime you want on yourself and yet the blessing of the Lord is there because of Jesus. But the mindset of money is it's, you're, you're learning to live so much better. Someone with a mindset that's right of money can do more with $30,000 than a millionaire can do because the mindset is wrong. And that's what we think about people. Well, the millionaire could write a big check. Probably not. Probably not. Well, if I had a million, I would. You're lying. You had a hundred and wouldn't give ten. You're lying. It just makes you feel better. If I won the lotto, I'd pay the church off. No, you won't. You will not pay the church off. If you want to, you can, but I can assure you, it is a fantasy way to think. Because if I could win the lotto, I would pay the church off. And I'm like, let's not even talk about the lotto. How much do you have left over at the end of the month? $25. Okay, then give $25. I can't give all my money to the church. Okay, then you wouldn't pay it off. So stop feeling good about yourself. You're stingy, and you think if you win a lot, you would suddenly not be stingy. Oh, come on. Mindsets about money. So there's three of them I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to give you the three, and then I'm going to ask my dad to come talk about one of them. The first thing that has to shift about money is faith or fear. What we heard read this morning in Hebrews 11.6, Dad, you can start coming on up. In Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, It's impossible to please God. That means for those of us that have tons of money, but it really doesn't even hurt at all when I give, then if we're not careful, it's not done in faith. And no matter how much you give, it really wasn't that pleasing to God. That's why Jesus could say with the little widow who just put in everything she had, he said, now that's great faith. Wait a minute, that's a buck. Well... If a buck is, is a lot for you, then that's great faith. See, the world system is, what good could this do? Well, a lot if it has faith to it. Not much if it's just the kingdom of the world. But in God's kingdom, a dollar given in faith from a little widow lady or a widow guy who doesn't have much, but he says, I'm going to give the dollar, and gives a dollar in faith, then that dollar can do what $100,000 can do. In God's kingdom. I just have to start looking. And some of you feel real guilty that all you do is... You feel bad that all you can give is five. But if all you can give is five, put faith to it. And some of you could give 5,000, but you're grateful you gave five. Then put faith to it. Take a step. So the first thing, I just want you to hear, Dad. I'll give you a brief testimony. He's a CPA. That means... He says that because it's hard to spell. Certified public accountant. Meaning he's been trained from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Throw that in. He's been trained to understand money. He's been trained to understand systems of money. And I ask him to come share with you. He's 83 years old. And in 1963, he started giving. And I ask him to come and to share a brief story about faith. Because with everybody in this room... Money never makes sense logically in the kingdom. You have to take a step of faith.
1: Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1963, as Mark said, I got born again in the East Gadsden Methodist Church. And uh, about three, three, four weeks later, the pastor stood up and preached a sermon on a tip or a tithe. And I was a tipper. A big Sunday for me was a dollar in the offering plate. And so I got under conviction going home that day. I said to June, we're going to start tithing. And She said, well, that's fine with me. And so I get home, and I'm, as Mark said, a CPA. So I said, well, I better see if we can afford to tithe. So I prepared what we in the accounting profession call a cash flow statement. I knew what my income was and my bills, and I prepared a cash flow statement, and I was devastated. I did not know I was so bad off, I said to June. (laughs) I'd love to tithe, but we can't afford to tithe. I want you to look at this. I need to get my dollar back. I can't even afford to give a dollar. <laughs> and that, there was something on stirring on it. Well, uh, God said to do it, I'm just going to do it. So in 1963, wrote out my first tithe check, knowing that I was not going to make it. I mean, I was absolutely sure I'd proved on paper. It's impossible. I will not make it, but I'll show God. My heart is to tithe. So I wrote out my first tithe check, and uh, that month went by, and I said, well, made it this month, and then uh, another month goes by, well, I made it this month, and that was over 55 years ago, and I'm still making it today, and I've never missed a tithe, and I've never missed paying a bill in all those years. Then in 1969, June and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we Joined Pentecostal Revival Center. We were in revivals. We'd be in a three-week revival, take a week off, start another revival. So we were in church all the 70s. We spent our life in church. Well, the method of that that revival center was that the evangelist had to receive his own offering. And then he got part of it and the church got part of it. Well, those evangelists were masters at receiving offerings. So they would say, well, I was praying this afternoon and God told me, Somebody was going to give $100. Now, in 1969, $100 would probably be three to four, $500 today. And I, I didn't know you could ask God to tell you what to give. So they would say, if God's telling you to give $100, you better obey God. And so I would, uh, I would say, well, if nobody else raises their hand, I'll assume God's speaking to me. And so when they didn't raise their hand, I raised my hand and gave 100 $100. Well, the next night scenario, the same thing, same thing. Well, you can give $100 one time, but when you do it 17 nights in a row, how I many you know you're getting out of your comfort zone. <laughs> and I began to say, well, I, I, you know, I began to say, God, how in the world is this working? I just can't understand this. I'm giving way more than I can afford to give. And, and I'm not getting bad, I'm getting better. And I don't understand it, I cannot understand this. And the Lord spoke to me in a a very strong way and said, I'm setting you free from the world system. The world system is a taker. Give me your life. Give me your health. Give me your family. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And I might let you live in a nice house or drive a nice car. But that's the world system. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, if we're not careful, just through the word of God, the Lord began to show me, that money is an idol. It says that in one of the Psalms, that, that money is an idol. And if we're not careful, we begin to trust money more than we trust God. And when you begin to trust your money, you can have whatever your money can buy. But you can't have supernatural things that God can give you. But when you turn loose of your money, you're saying, I don't want to trust my money. I want to trust God. For all the the benefits. And the Bible says if we trust God and we abundantly give to God, God is able to make all grace abound toward us so that we always have all sufficiency in all things. Hallelujah. It's better to trust God than to trust your job. Hallelujah. Praise God.
0: Hallelujah. I just wanted you to hear it for you last week. I would be practical. I want you to write down or text it to yourself or put it on the phone. But literally, I want you to write it down somewhere. So not just in your brain place, but I want you to write down. I want you to write down what you bring in every week. That just made some people depressed. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Lord, I-, I had to put a zero. All right? I want you to look at it. I want you to think about it. Now, what I want you to do with that every day as you think about your stress, your money, what I owe, what i got to have, I want you to look at that amount, and I want you to say this, Heavenly Father, teach me how to trust you with this by faith. Teach me how to trust you with this by faith. Before you've paid a bill, before you've tithed, before you've given an offering, I want you to take that amount right off the top. Lord, help me to trust you with this. Because typically what we do is we just spend it all, and then we get to the last $5 and go, okay, well, I don't know what I can even afford to do. And so, therefore, it's hard to take a faith step. But if you come back here at the very start and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? At the very beginning of the month, already knowing what's going to go out, take the step of faith. Give beyond. Bless somebody. That's what I told you last week. Every time I would get nervous, I would just give more money away. And it really worked. It was weird. But you're going to have to take a step of faith. Faith is illogical. Faith will say you can't do it. Faith will prove on paper it won't work. Fear will sit there and tell you, I've proven on paper I will go broke. Okay, that's fear. Faith says, I'm just going to trust God. So I just want to ask you, will you start trusting God with your money? Will you quit being so stressed? Will you quit being so bound to the system of the world? And when you begin to trust God, number two, this is a big one for me, blessing or bondage. The thing that has to change in your life is we become bound to money. And we live like orphans. Like I I don't mind praying for God to help me, but I'm going to take care of me, take care of me, take care of me, take care of me. And we live like orphans. Do you understand that God wants to bless you? Come on, three people over here. Let's get it all in the room. Uh, I hope this is not bothering you. If you're new, I'm talking about money, I'm sorry. But I just want you to know, do you know that God wants to bless you? You're not an orphan. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. He wants your life blessed, but the devil wants it cursed. And the curse of the devil is run your life ragged, work yourself to the bones, get your retirement, get your Medicaid, Medicare, and all of that taken care of, and then just try to retire as easy as possible. System of the world, God wants you blessed. Young people who don't have a job yet, God wants you blessed. Old folks who are retired on a fixed income, God wants you blessed. We have to learn to think blessing versus bondage. Well, I'm just living on a fixed income mark, and it's just very tough. Okay, that's system of the world. Fixed income, very tough. Remember that story. I'm going to go home and bake a cake and just die, me and my kid. That's a bondage mentality. I'm on a fixed income. I only get this much every year, every month, but glory to God, I'm a blessed, I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out and I'm blessed from the head and I'm blessed to my feet. I'm blessed. Lord, I'm blessed. You just have to start thinking the blessing of God. That was the worst rap ever. I don't even know it was as white as it could be. I'm just so sorry. I apologize to everyone in the room. Blessing or bondage. I'll tell you, uh, I want to I say one little story and I want to read something out of the Bible. It was 1994. We had two children. I was making $28,000 a year. And I said to Robin, when I get my last kid out of college, I didn't know that would be 2,092. <laughs> and I would be 114." we had, we had two little girls. I think they were three and five or maybe not even that old. They were, they were one and three. And, uh, I said, I said, when, when we get this and I get these girls out of college, I said, I'm going to, I said, what I'm going to do, because we're on a preacher income, I'm going to buy a two seater sport car, fully leather T-tops. Anybody remember T-tops? Yeah, i got to be old enough to remember that one. T-tops, fully loaded leather. I said, I don't know when that come. Right now I was driving in a van, which is not good for a man. And I was driving a little, a little family van. And I was just dreaming about one day sports car, one day sports car, Too broke, $28,000, could not afford it if I wanted to, raising girls, they're expensive. But one day, I know that's my dream, two weeks later in church, I'm singing on the stage. We're getting ready for church. And a gentleman in the back starts doing this. And I'm like, me? And he's going. So I look at the lady on stage. We were about to start. This is before we had countdowns, right? So I said, "Uh, I got to go back there. He wants me to say something. She's like, well, hurry up. I said, okay, I'll be right back. So I put the microphone down. I ran to the back. I didn't even know the dude. He said, Mark. I said, yes, sir. He said, I was praying this week. God told me I have to do something. I said, yeah, what is it? And I'm thinking, hurry, 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 church is starting, church is starting, church is starting, you know. He said, well, the Lord told me to do this, and he reached in his pocket, and he gave me a set of car keys. And I'm like, oh, cool, I guess he wants me to move his car. Like, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how orphaned I am. I'm thinking he wants me to valet his car. That's the orphan mentality. I'm not even thinking I'm about to get a blessing. Orphan mentality, I'm just going to have to move his car. He said, I felt like the Lord told me to give you this. I need you to see me after church. I said, okay. So church ended. I drove over to his house with Robin. We go over. We pull up to his house. He has a a detached garage. We walk over to the garage. He opens it up. The only thing in the garage was a car covered over with a cover. And now my heart's starting to beat. I'm like, wow. I'm going to get a car. And then I got real fleshly. Orphan mentality. Probably doesn't run. It's probably wrecked. It's probably got dog poop all over it, bird poop all over it. Right? That's the orphan mentality. It's never going to go good for me. A day late, a dollar short, never goes my way. Always a problem. Nothing ever works for me. Orphan mentality. He pulls back the cover And there was a 1986 Mazda RX-7, showroom quality. He rode less than 1,000 miles a year. It still smelt new, loaded to the hilt. I mean, it was the SE, top of the line. Leather interior, T-tops, everything I told Robin I would have gotten myself. The guy steps back and says, here's the keys. God told me I had to bless you. Now, how many of you know when you're in your 20s and God starts giving you sport cars? (laughs) Right? The orphan mentality. Do you see most Christians live with an orphan mentality? It's never going to go good for me. Some of you probably even thought that. Well, I'll tithe. It won't go that way for me. It did for him, not for me. I'll lose my car. I'll lose my house. Why? Because you bought the world system that you have to take care of yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. If you don't fight for your rights and fight for your desires and fight for your dreams and live your dreams and chase your bucket lists, my Lord, nobody else in the world will, so I might as well do it. Because I'm the one that always gets the raw end of the deal. And if there's one person I can trust, I can trust me. And I can work myself to the bone here. That is an orphaned mentality. You're taking care of yourself. And God loves to take care of you. Genesis chapter 22. Get ready, this one's going to burn a little bit. It is the most, oh gosh, under, misunderstood passage of Scripture... It's Abraham and his son Isaac when God says, give me your kid. You remember I said, hey, the gold standard is 10%, but what happens when God says, I don't want 10, I want your whole kid? How many of you would give your kid to God today? How many of you, if God came to you and said, today, I don't want your money, I want your kid, and I want you to take your kid out there, and I want you to kill your kid for me? How many of you grandparents would sacrifice your grandchild because you love God that much? That's a weird story. It's in the Bible. It's like God is psychotic, like he has some kind of mental disorder, like he's bipolar. Like, you literally want me to kill my child? I would rather go back and just go, I would rather just stick with circumcision. I don't want to kill my kid. And now we read a story where God says, I want you to kill your child. It is the most misunderstood story in the Bible because even weird, crazy people who don't even like God talk about God being a baby kid killer. So let's just read it, and I'll give you my take on it because I think we've read it totally out of context and let you think about it. All in blessing. Sometime later, verse 1, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Don't you love that God? I just love him. He's so kind and thoughtful. Just kill your kid for me. I love it. Let's all serve him. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey. By the way, for those of you who like to study, it's amazing. It's the third day of the journey, which is the day Jesus rose from the grave. Stay here. You're welcome. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Meaning this, most people don't go the same way of faith God calls you to go. So quit looking for everybody else's money, just yourself. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. God I love that, daddy. And Abraham, this is a new camping thing, huh? And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! Thank God he listened. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the horns of the thicket. He took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. Most people get freaked out about this story But what God is going to teach Abraham is he's a giving God, not a taking God. He's a blesser, not a taker. Do you see, Abraham was raised by an idol-worshiping father. His father would make idols and they would sell idols. He came out of a culture where to show your love for the God you served, you would do whatever the God told you to do without question. So when a God requested child sacrifice, and it is all the way through the Old Testament, you sacrificed your kid because whatever the God would ask for as a mere human, you would obey the gods that appeared to you and told you to do it. Abraham was raised that way, watching an idol-worshipping father in an idol-worshipping culture to show your love you give your kid. You sacrifice your kid and you kill your kid. You put your kid in the fire. And then the God who appeared to you receives that as an offering. That's all Abraham knows is the system, the system, the system it'll take from you. The system takes everything from you, your health from you, your family from you, your joy from you, your sanity from you, your peace from you. The system, the system, it takes everything. And so he's used to the system. He's lived in the system. And now God says, okay, hey, let's talk system a minute. I want your kid, your only kid, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm used to the system. Here's my only kid. Uh, uh, Okay. I love you. And I trust you. I even believe he could come back from the dead. That's how much I know. And he draws back to kill it, and God stops him. And when he stops him, we're all like, whew, thank God he showed up. (laughs) But you see, God was teaching him something that Abram never knew. Every other God in the system took. But he was going to teach him, I'm different than every other God. I don't take, I give. And it blew him away. Because for the first time in his life, he met a God who was a blesser and not a curser. A God who would give and not take. A God who would meet my needs and I didn't have to do it myself. All he wanted to know was, do I trust him? And what God was showing us is Abraham even trusted him thinking he would take. And God revealed, no, I don't take. I bless you. Do you understand God is trying to bless you, not take things from you? He's not trying to take your tithe. He's not trying to take your other 90%. He's trying to be a blessing God. And if you will serve him, he will bless you above. He will bless you beyond. He will pour out blessings on you you cannot even fathom. He will open up the windows of heaven over you and pour you out a blessing. So much, Malachi 3, says you can't even contain How many blessings I would give to you. I will bless you in the trough, the kitchen, the country, the field. I'll bless your health. I'll bless your children. I'll bless your grandchildren. I'll bless your car. I'll bless your dogs. I'll bless your house. I'll bless everything you put your hand to, Mark. Why? Because you're not an orphan, son. You're my kid. And I am a father who blesses you. And yet... Young people are raised in a generation where dad doesn't bless them, dad left them, dad curses them, dad is gone all the time. And then we introduce them to a father and they expect the same out of their heavenly father. Blessing versus bondage. Young people, God wants to bless you. He's trying to bless you. Don't sell your soul to the system of the world and lose your family and lose your children working 80, 90 hours a week. God wants to bless you. But it takes a step of faith from you to trust Him. Last week I gave that there's an $87,000 note. Anybody remember that? We're trying to pay off this $87,000 note. And I don't know how. I just told God, I don't know, but I'm taking a step of faith. And I was figuring, right? I was like, okay, 20 people gave this, and 10 gave that, and 100 gave this. Yeah, we could get close. And the Lord's like, why are you trying to do the math? Why don't you just let me talk to people? Well, you need to talk then, right? Help a brother and start talking. So 87,000 was a note. And so last Tuesday, I got a call from someone at the church. We had lunch. And he said, God spoke to me to help you and to be generous to help you. And I said, Praise God. Hallelujah. And they gave the church a $50,000 check. Come on, somebody. I came back and said, Wow, a $50,000 check. I was ready for the rapture. I'm like, Just come on. You come get me now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I came back. I shared it with Michael. I called the elders. I said, man, God has been good to us. 50,000. We only owe 37,000 more. Praise God. And Michael said, no, Pastor, we don't owe 37. We've been paying more every month. We only owed 75. Now we only owe 25,000. I'm like, glory to God, 25,000. And then I had lunch with somebody on Thursday, and they said, Well, the Lord spoke to me, I have to give five. And I'm like, Glory to God, we're down to 20000 now. In less than one week, we've knocked off $67,000 just because people decided to get generous. And you may be going, Well, I don't have $50,000. Well, good. Maybe that's not your generosity. But do you have something? Do you have something you can give? But I was going to go to a Braves game. Then go and enjoy it. But do you have something to be generous with? Is your generosity a twenty dollars? Is your generosity a thousand? Is your generosity five? Is it 50? Is it a hundred? I have no clue, but we're all called to be equally generous and equally take steps of faith and equally go, I don't know if I can afford it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And equally to go and if I do it, I'm not going to be an orphan kid. I'm going to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. And God is going to bless me because of it. The final thing number three. I'll be quick, is seed versus selfishness. Your money is a seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we've studied it two weeks ago. Your money is a seed. And God said, I will give seed to the sower. You want to sow, I'll give you seed to sow. And if you sow little, you get back little. If you sow a lot, you get back to a lot. Money is a seed. We've been lied to. Money is a seed, or you can live selfishly. I don't have enough. Let me ask you a question. I'm just gonna ask this and I'm gonna tell you a story and end. If you had the money right now to give it to help pay this off, you don't have to raise your hand because it's not like I'm gonna care either way. Would you give it if you had it? If you had a thousand, would you give it? If you had five hundred, would you give it? You see, because God says in Corinthians 9, I'll give seed to the sower. The problem is God gives a seed and I eat it. He gives me seed, I make a red velvet cake and enjoy it. He said, no, I'll give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In other words, money is a seed. Show me where to sow this, Father. I've got 5000 in my savings account. What should I do with the seed? Well, you can just leave it there and hope you get 0.3% interest a year. Or you can take some of it and go, I'm going to use some of it as a seed. I'm going to plant a seed. And if I plant a seed, I'll reap a seed. That's how it goes. So last week I was at lunch with Ryan. We were sitting at lunch. I said, hey, do you believe that God... And we we read that verse, 2 Corinthians 9. I asked him, I said, do you really believe that God will give seed to a sower? Like Like if we ask, it was he and David and myself... I said, do you believe? He goes, well, yeah, the Bible says if he'll give seed to the sower. I said, you know what? I think most people don't sow because they immediately go, well, I don't have any seed to sow. But the Bible says if you'll sow it, he'll give the seed. And they said, yeah. I said, then let's try this. And we did. I said, let's hold our hand out at this table and say, God, if you'll give me $100 in this next seven days that I wasn't expecting, I will take that $100 that I wasn't expecting and instead of spending it on myself going glory to God I got $100 i will just give it away. And he said okay let's do it. I don't think he really believed and I don't know if I believed either but we just thought let's try God at his word. So we walked out. Less than five hours later that night, somebody walked up to me and gave me an envelope, and in the envelope, I opened it up, and it was $200, unexpected. Had no clue the 200 was coming. I'm looking at the 200 and going, oh, I'm going to get me a guitar. And then I heard the Lord. I thought it was going to be a seed. Oh, yeah, to myself, though. <laughs> right? I, mean, I want to bake my cake, Lord. And so I'm like, oh, nope, I'm giving it away. So I took... I said, if we gave it 100, we'd give it a hundred, we give a hundred. So I gave it away. I saw Ryan the next day. I said, well, you got your hundred. He said, well, I don't know if this works or not, but David gave me a hundred. He said, is that fair? Because he was at lunch with us. I said, well, did you expect him to give you a hundred? He said, no, sir. But he just gave it to me. I said, well, then good. It worked for you. Go give your hundred away. I said, well, if it worked once, let's just believe it'll keep working. God, if you'll give me another hundred, I'll give another hundred away. And so all of a sudden, the next day, I show up. It's Sunday at church. I walk up to Ryan. I say, hey, uh, how did it go? He said, you won't believe it. He said, this morning at church, somebody walked up and put a $100 bill in my hand. I wasn't even expecting it. I'm like, why wouldn't you expect it? This is what we've been doing. He said, I got another 100 I said, good, go give that one away. He gave the 100 away. That night was community night. at community night, somebody walked up to me and said, "Here, we just wanted to bless you." And they gave me a, a Pentecostal handshake. That's, that's money. And, and I looked at it and I thought, "Well, glory to God, there's more money 200 more dollars. It's been Thursday since I wasn't expecting anything, and from Thursday to Sunday, I've gotten 400 extra, just come from nowhere. Just because I said, God, if you'll give me seed, I'll sow seed. And the Lord's like, really? You won't be selfish with it. No, sir, I will give it. Okay, I don't have it, but if you gave it, I would. Okay, good, I'll start giving it to you. So seed come, and I'm throwing seed. I walked up and whispered to Ryan. I said, I got another seed. And he went, oh, oh, did I tell you what happened to me? And I said, No, what? He said, I went over to the pretzel truck and I opened up my cash app, and on my cash app, there was $200. And I wasn't even expecting anything to be in there. I had nothing in my cash app, and now I have $200 in my cash app. I don't even know where the $200 came from. I'm like, Ryan, from God. I don't know how God did it, I don't know how the Lord worked the system, I don't know what God was doing. But God, in some godness, downloaded 200 bucks on a cash out. I don't know if He forgot about the 200 and God gave it back. I don't know if God did some juju or something. I don't know. But all I know is the eyeballs in Him were this big. And I looked at him and said, You believe now? And He's like, Yeah, I believe now. You may call that evangelism. You may call it witchcraft. You may call it hokey pokey. I just call it taking God at His word. The reason most people live broke is when God gives the seed, it goes into the pocket. And then they eat it all themselves. I just want to encourage you whatever seed God gives you, ask Him, what should I do with this? I got extra this month working. What should I do with some of this seed? I got a bonus. What should I do with some of this bonus? I got an extra job that came in that I wasn't expecting. What should I do? And I'm going to tell you something. The moment you begin to take the seed before you eat it, spend it, buy something, put in the pool, buy a motorcycle, get a, you know, buy another kid, another dog, whatever it is you're going to do. If you'll just take that and go, God, I'm going to use this seed. I cannot tell you, my children have been trying to teach this to them, and they're getting in. They're like, Dad, I gave this away, and this came back. Nessa, this week, I said, Honey, try it. She said, Okay. She called me, she sent a long test. She said, Pastor Mark, I gave $50 to somebody, and God gave me $150 back. I said, Honey, that's the way it works. You can never outgive God. But if you're looking at that little 50 and you don't want to take faith, this little 50 is all I got. That's eight cups of coffee. (laughs) Oh, I need my coffee. Need my coffee. And then you'll take that step of faith and go, God, I can give it away because I know you're a blesser and not a taker. And I know you got my needs. And then I move to the third level. So therefore, rather than being selfish, first and foremost, this is a seed. What would you have me do with it? And sometimes God will say, eat it. Sometimes He'll say, plant it. Sometimes He'll tell you to give it to a friend. Sometimes He'll tell you to buy somebody's meal. Sometimes He'll tell you to bless your neighbor. But if you'll see it as seed, you will never live with lack. That is a promise from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Now, for those of you that are fearing money, stop it. Stop living in fear. Husbands and wives, if you're fighting about it, quit. You're just opening yourself up to the devil to torment you. Quit fighting about money. You're sucked into a world system. Stop. Take a step of faith. Trust him. You're going to have to trust him. Quit looking for the better job, the more money. If I could just get to 12 an hour, 15 an hour, 20 an hour. That's the world system. Just, Father, I'm going to trust you. Step two. Are you in bondage? Are you living like an orphan? Is it always you providing for you? You having to work extra hard? You feeling like you're eking by? You feeling like things never go well for you? You're always a day late and a dollar short? That's an orphan. Stop that too. Wake up and go, I'm going to live blessed. God is going to bless me. Head to my toes. I'm going to live a blessed life. And then the third level. Every dime that comes into your life, separate from what you thought, open your hand and go, God, bring it, and I'll use it as a seed. Now, there's some of you here today, you've got seed to sow. You might have a little extra. We're trying to pay off a $20,000 note now. Well, we could use some extra. Plant a seed, help us out. Ask God, what could I do to plant a seed to believers? And I I just really believe we'll pay it off this week. We can move on and do what God wants us to do. But you got to ask God what to do with your seed. And then after that's over, don't stop there. Ask Him every time, Lord, you know every time I'm in line, I'm standing in line, I'm asking God... I got a little $5, what could, a seed. Should I give it to a waitress? Should I buy some popcorn for somebody at the movie? Should I buy a ticket? What can I do, God? It's just seed, it's seed, it's seed. And I want to tell you, 54 years old, you heard my dad's testimony, 83. Never lacked a thing, never missed a bill. All my needs are met. God has a profound way of taking care of his kids. So if you fall in one of those categories, fear, bondage, or selfishness, Just repent today. Say, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me that I've gotten into the bondage of the world system. And and deliver me, Father. And then you walk out the door today with a brand new mentality about money. And how God can reward and bless and work a supernatural miracle in your life. And you become an extravagant, generous giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.